This is The Anatomy of Eloquence, a podcast that dissects the innermost workings of great communication. I'm your host, Nick, communication strategist, brand theorist, and resident didactic. For the last decade, I've been helping startups and CEOs reshape their communication with the world. I'm Andrew Yang, not the former presidential candidate, but I was a former presidential speechwriter. And for the past 10 years, I've worked with national leaders, public company CEOs, and startup founders on their communication. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Anatomy of Eloquence, episode five. This week, we're gonna talk about tone of voice and why it matters. So Andrew, recently you've gotten pretty deep back into Twitter. And I know there's been a resurgence of Twitter, but moving away from like the photograph, Instagram, or, you know, the audio of Clubhouse, going straight back into text. Right. But you've also made quite a few interesting observations about how tone of voice carries over throughout the way that people tweet. Oh, definitely. The, the tone of voice, I mean, thinking about our interpersonal relationships Like when you're talking to your wife and I'm talking to mine, we got to be very careful with our tone, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The way I talk to uh, you or other coworkers versus telling my wife what to do. It's a very different experience. Very different, right? We got to stay alive. So so we really got to watch our tone. But actually, I think anyone who, who has done a lot of text messaging would know that as well, which is writing itself has, has tone. Like it's an issue. Or a perceived tone, at least. Whether you meant it or not, people read things a certain way, right? Yeah, definitely. And I'm just thinking about a recent episode where Ben Thompson of Strategery fame, mm-hmm. he, he wrote something because he writes a lot on the internet. And he described internet a certain way. And I, I guess somebody took offense to that and responded to him and, and said, like, stop. Can you stop glorifying the internet? I call it by what it is, but the tone, and, and I guess there are legitimate points because we all know that internet can be bad for people. All right. If you surf on it, you know, the, the wrong way or you stay on it 24 hours a day. So this guy had good points, but just the tone of his writing was, I could only describe as, as condescending mm. and douchey because he, <laughs> he even had a sentence like, so next time, let's stop doing this, okay? Yeah. Just read it that way. It make, makes you think of the character in South Park, right? Right. Okay? Okay. Mr. Mackey. Yeah, and, and even people below, like responding to his response, said, dude, you sound way more judgmental than, than Ben does. You know, your tone. And people made specific comment on the tone. Like references to things he wrote and how it came yeah. across, yeah. Right. And so just... Spending more time after that on Twitter, you really start noticing the importance of a tone. So not just the content, but also the the feeling that your words give people. And that extends a lot into when we're helping people work on their communication, that that tone of voice, it extends out to companies, right? Like yeah. for this guy, if he has a company, maybe some people who really like 
either his sarcasm or the way he types, yeah. they might be attracted to that. But other people, if he's representing a company, will look at that and be like, wow, I now do not like the company. Right. Because that tone is often a reflection of what they do. And so this is something that you and I spend a lot of time working with companies on is figuring out their tone of voice. Yeah. And answering that question, do companies have tone? There's a fun example that you wrote about in a blog where you have been a long-time Evernote <laughs> fan. Right. I used Evernote for a long time until Notion came along, and I made that switch. And then we were having a discussion about, you know, okay, which platform becomes our company's platform of choice? Mm-hmm. And then in your blog, you kind of deep dive that, okay, product-wise, these are competitors right yeah but if you look at even the tone of voice that each company uses that also separates them out quite a bit it's not just like the features of their product but actually the way that they speak to people is quite different Mm -hmm. yeah they talk to you in in really different ways yeah as you say it was it happened when uh, we were looking for a platform and so you visit all three websites right yeah Um, actually I, i visited uh notion first and then I, because somebody had, uh, this was a while back, somebody had told me about Rome research. Yeah, like when it was a beta, like sign up to get in beta or Yeah, that and even, thing, right? even back then it had crazy valuation at a super early stage. So that's that's how I think I, I heard about it. And I saw it, I, I went to it, and I looked at it. And that always stayed with me because they have, Rome research has such a distinctive voice. Hmm. And Notion also has a distinctive voice. And so I went to Evernote's website just to check it out. Like, is their voice different? Because Evernote has been around the longest. Hmm. Then they really just set a tone that I think is a little bit more generic. Meaning they come across as the the company. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, a tech company and tech companies, especially companies that haven't been around for, let's say, like 30 years. Hmm. They still talk in, in everyday language. So yeah, it, I, I think it's interesting to, to ask the question, like, what is tone, right? And before uh, this episode started, we're, we're talking, I think we agree on this point that tone is actually the, the personality. A- another way to think about it, maybe if you were to imagine this company as a person, who, like, what kind of person would pop up? Right. In your mind first. If you were to have coffee with this person, like who would you expect yeah. to be sitting on the other side of the yeah. table, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think for me, Evernote, uh, when I was reading their website and how they write about themselves, it's actually uh, not really a, any specific person that comes up. It's just a company. They just sound like a company. Well, a lot of their phrasing is very corporate talk. Right On their about page, they actually have this paragraph. Is, Evernote was founded to address the growing problem that technology helped to create. How to succeed in a world where the volume and velocity of information are constantly increasing. Hmm. This is very much a company vision statement yeah, style yeah. tone. Right? Very rational. Yes. Well written, but, but rational. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with this if that's you know, the feeling they want to give you. Because companies have certain connotations that go stability, right? right? Strength, yeah. longevity. And since Evernote has been around the longest, I mean, that's what you get. You get a corporate yeah, feeling. Definitely. And another sentence that I, I picked out 
was, and this is some a sentence that you can definitely find in many many companies in their internal documents and on their website. We are continually working to create a more trusting and collaborative environment. You can pretty much stick that on the wall of of every corporate. Yeah, office, exactly. Right? Like that's just behind the reception desk, yeah. right? This is what we believe in working together. But yeah, even though the sentiment, there's nothing wrong with it, but it just becomes a bit cliche. And that yeah, it's what I expect a company yeah. to say. Yeah, we're saying all this with a.、Uh, With the context that I still love Evernote, and I used Evernote for years and years, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it's no, just interesting to look at the way their tone comes across, especially when you look at these more plucky startups that take a very different spin on their tone. Yeah, and so if we compare that against Notion, like how would you describe Notion? Because you read their website as well, right? I went through their website and and made the switch. For feature reasons, but also just I kind of like the way the company talked. But again, if you're in that scenario where I'm having coffee with Notion as a person, Notion is a lot more personable. The way they、sure. write, the way they talk, almost you're talking to a friend, a really intelligent friend, but a smart friend sitting across from you and having a discussion.、Right. And part of that is because Notion's tone of voice inside their copywriting is like a friend talking to you. On their about page, their first sentence is actually "Hi there." If you're reading this, and then it goes into this description, using phrases like "Oh, you're probably like me," or "This is what you're doing," and, and it's very much like having a conversation with someone. Even asking you questions, you probably have 15 tabs open. But have you ever thought about where these work tools, quote unquote, came from? So it's trying to. Almost engage you in conversation, even knowing that you can't talk back to a website. It's still just by the way it's writing, it's trying to engage you in conversation. Why we talk about like the smart friend is actually on their about page. There's a pretty logical progression where they look at the evolution of how tools came to be and what they were doing, and they have different examples, including an interview with Steve Jobs. But it's like someone trying to convince you of their side, but in a really like friendly kind of colloquial way. I think another aspect of it, the wording, because other websites, the way they write about themselves, they would use a lot of multi-syllable words. Right. So the more multi-syllable words you use, the more、uh, written it feels, or at least、um, you start sounding like. A very highly educated person, which is not a bad thing, but if you are engaging people in everyday conversation and use a lot of big words, it's in Chinese. There's a there's a phrase called 接地气 They're two like it's two opposites. One、mm-hmm. is 打高空 one、mm-hmm. is 接地气打高空 means like you're you're floating in the sky. Basically,、mm-hmm. and TDT means you have your feet on the ground, like more down, and you can literally feel what people on the ground feel like. Oh, okay. Yeah, 接打高空 and 接地气 So, with Notion, it definitely it's definitely the latter. Like they they have their feet on the ground. They talk like everyday people. So instead of using words like ubiquitous,、mm-hmm. which a lot of companies use, they wouldn't use that. They would just say, "Oh, it's everywhere." 
Yeah, you definitely run into that where there's certain word, just by word choice, right. you sort of separate yourself out to where there are people I know who use ubiquitous and speaking, but yeah. the feeling is not like, oh, they're so smart. Sometimes looking at them and going, who uses that word? I know what it means, but like, who talks my, like actually, that? My actually, favorite, my favorite example is making fun of you. Oh, really? Because, yeah, once you, you said to me that somebody's not very colloquial. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I throw those those GRE words in there every once in a while. Hey, man, pay, paid for those vocab books. I, I paid for those vocabulary books. Gotta, gotta put them somewhere, right? Exactly. <laughs> so looking at the very straightforward language of Notion, and you also have the more corporate speak of Evernote, now you enter Rome. And Rome takes even a completely different approach where it becomes very academic. Looking at Rome's early website or even their website now, there's no about page. It's a white paper. Hmm. And the white paper is extremely academic in nature. The way that they phrase things, the way that they talk about things. It does reflect a bit in their product, the way that they look at the connections, the mind mapping, the queries. But if you just look at their language, just to give you some, some examples, you find phrases like multiple overlapping hierarchies with each unit of information becoming a node in a dynamic network. Any given node can o- occupy multiple positions simultaneously. Even reading this, I'm making mistakes, right? Yeah. And I've seen this, I mean... And as a tool for Bayesian inference and decision-making. It's very academic, as you said. And reading this, if you're not careful, like this is a paper that is meant to be analyzed. You don't skim this because if you skim this, two minutes later, you'd be like, I I have no idea what I just read. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I cannot summarize this thing. For me, I was like, Oh, man, I need to find an hour and sit down and actually give this a good read. And even after reading for, I think I read for about 10 minutes, I was like, I think these guys are really brilliant and they're onto something, but I don't exactly understand what I just read. Hmm. Yeah, I think when you first shared this with me and I dug through it, I did that. I skimmed it. and I'm like, okay, I get that they're building some kind of brainstorming writing process tool that's kind of like Evernote, but I really, I got to read this. I don't get it. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe just because they're like their tagline, I think is, is a tool for network thought. I think my brain is a bit too compartmentalized to, for that. But it becomes interesting as you also look at the way that they phrase things. So a lot of companies will always have partner programs for the podcast acquired. Their partner program is called LPs. They call it LPs because it's related to the VC world, limited partners, and they have an explanation around how that works. So with Rome, it's the same thing. We feel academic. Their partnership program is called fellowship programs, Hmm. which is a very academic Academic, term. And so even when you watch interviews, like very early on, Kevin Rose interviewed the founder of Rome and they, he walked him through the product, but the way that he talks is quite academic. Hmm. It's very much that sort of high level thinking. And in the middle of this interview, as he's using the process, he actually starts programming (laughs) (laughs) queries and doing things that are actually far more 
program or engineer mind than it would be that simple UI that you would expect from Notion. It's about simplicity. This is an everyday person who's helping you with the product. With them, they're just like, you want to think high level, you want to work high level, you can just program straight into this thing. Was this uh, Connor Sullivan White? Because I early on, I also saw an interview and he didn't start coding immediately, mm-hmm. which is awesome, by the way, that, that you would start um, coding in the middle of the interview. But the one that I saw was he was unshaven. He, he had a beard, which reminds you also of an academic. Oh, in, yeah. In, in like school. just that professor who's like the brilliant yeah. professor who does nothing but research. Is right? that, and he it was a I think a video conference interview. And he didn't even look at the screen half the time. He's just like staring off into the distance mm. and speaking very obviously uh, with a, a lot of knowledge and understanding and insight about what they're trying to do. And so the whole manner is exactly like that white paper. Yeah. Academic, intellectual, obviously very smart, and a little difficult to understand. The way he speaks, the appearance, if we imagine him as a person again, it's pretty appropriate. Like that's <laughs> yeah. who I would imagine on the other side of yeah. the table when I'm having a conversation with Rome. Yeah. yeah. But you've noticed like a, a recent change in tone in some of their communication, right? Yeah, there's been a bit of an evolution. And what's interesting is the evolution occurred in their email marketing. Where early on, because I had signed up for a beta and to test it out, I was part of their email campaign. And their email language at the very beginning was not as academic, but it was a little more straightforward. Oh, we're releasing, sign up now, it's important to get in. But their emails that they send out now about updates and features and things that are going on are complete opposite of the academic tone. It's... Hmm very it's more youthful they actually call users romans so every email start like hey romans this week we're adding some kind of new feature or when they added the feature that you could like draw directly into the tenants it started with oh my god we added a drawing component god spelled yeah god spelled (laughs) g-a-w-g not even OMG, yeah. like they spelled it out in the, you know, very Reddit style writing. And so what becomes interesting, and you and I had a conversation about this earlier, is what was the reason behind this? Was the genesis behind this because someone looked at their writing and be like, dude, you're way too serious. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to aim at a younger audience. You're trying to aim at a different type of audience. So you yeah. need to shift their language. Or... Is this the other side of their personality where you have some maybe very academic, very serious, but they also have like that dry wit or sarcasm. Mm -hmm. And now you're just seeing both. Hmm. It's a tricky, I think it's a tricky balance to, to draw because for example, even for our company, well, pretty much everybody in our company is, is an introvert and none of us really talk in the super extroverted outgoing bubbly voice Mm. right but a lot of startup teams and a lot of people that we come into contact with and our clients some of them are extremely serious but many of them are also the the very youthful like younger generation and they talk so we've certainly you know felt like oh man should we 
Should we sound funnier? Should we sound wittier? And right now, and I fluctuate. I go back and forth between this, but now I'm of the opinion that no, we shouldn't. We just stay true to ourselves. Right. I mean, maybe we can move our our tone of voice from our written because we can all remember our academic background. You know, using more complex multi-syllable words, for example,、uh, longer sentences to maybe moving to the way that we talk、mm. to each other, or to the way that we talk with clients in very informal settings. But we shouldn't write in a way that's not us, right? Inauthentic to how we、yeah. sound or how someone would interact with us when they met us in person, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like we ourselves ha- have a spectrum. Mm. Right. Sometimes we sound very serious. Sometimes we seem more approachable and informal. Our range of tone should follow that. Right. It's also picking the appropriate setting for、yeah. when you're going to speak. But it's not like you become two different people. It's just you said that range. Which range of my tone do I want to sit on based on the setting、yeah. that we're dealing with? Yeah,、definitely. because if someone's sitting down having a daily conversation with us, that's one thing. But if we get asked to be on a panel and talk, that's another thing. Yeah, you don't want those to feel like two different people, but the the way that you speak during those type of activities may shift a little、mm-hmm. bit, right? Yeah. If somebody who's listening right now is thinking, "Wait, how do I, how do I decide what my tone is?" How would you advise them? The first is a few things that we sort of pointed out during talking about Evernote versus Notion versus Rome. That there's a few key things that just sort of set your tone. First would just be word choice, right? Am I using ubiquitous versus everywhere? <laughs> that immediately just that word choice separates out someone's feeling about me.、Hmm. Another would be sentence patterns. Right? Is are you writing in really long sentence patterns, or are you writing in the way that you talk to someone,、hmm. like asking questions, addressing them by name, or addressing them as a、yeah. you as opposed to basic? Which also gets into the last piece is perspective.、Mm-hmm. Which perspective are you writing from? Are you talking in first person, which is far more personable and making a connection, or are you talking, say, in third person, which may feel different? It may feel academic. It may feel Corporate,、hmm. objective. But aside from these basic tips, actually, when you've written about this before, you just broke it down to one simple question that people can ask themselves, and that question is simply: is when my target audience reads my company's writing, who should they imagine is speaking? Who should be on the other side of that coffee table? Who do you want them to have a conversation with?、Mm-hmm. And so, when you're writing, then you can ask that question. If I am that person, if I am the academic, what would I say?、Yeah. If I was the, you know, the smart friend, what would I say? If I am the corporate, what do I say? Definitely. So, that maybe is why that email that you got from Rome Research、mm. was a bit surprising because when you imagine who it is behind those words, all along from the first time you came into contact with them. The person that we imagined was a researcher, an academic, and suddenly you get an email. You're like, "Wait, sounds like it was written by a teenager." Yeah, a teenage girl. You're just like,、well, "I'm confused." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, who is this? <laughs> so yeah, it just becomes this interesting thing. But that also becomes like, for Rome, who are they trying to be?、Hmm. And we've actually learned that. 
sometimes the hard way, that very often a CEO has very specifically in mind what they think their company's tone of voice is. And when we've worked with them on communication materials and we didn't hit that directly or we thought, oh, this is what we imagined the company to be based on conversations, but it still wasn't what they thought. Like they have a very specific personality yeah, that they're trying yeah. to get across. Exactly. Boring. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They want to be. I guess you have to let them. I think I had this. I had this issue too when I was writing for the president. Mm-hmm. Just because she is a like in private, sometimes she can be witty and she'll joke with people. But I think that was a, an acquired skill. Like by nature, she's very introverted. She's very serious. The way she talks is all very dense.、Mm. I mean, even when I started, with, yeah. <laughs> But hey, looking back, like especially looking back on the Trump presidency. Oh yeah, that's true. I think it was a good thing that we had a boring president.、Mm. But yeah, but writing a speech for her that was definitely a problem because I couldn't I couldn't really write stuff that was out of personality. I had to stay in personality, which meant at least the way that I felt when writing for her was dry,、mm. academic, and. Uh, less, I think, less personable, but that's the way she liked it. I think maybe for for our country that was the right thing to do, because while everybody else, you see other politicians resorting to more emotional writing,、mm-hmm. more emotional actually speaking, not just writing. She stayed rational. Well, that tone of voice, like the rational and stability, yeah, it becomes interesting that from a speech perspective, it's not overly compelling. But if you think, do I want my government to be rational, stable, yeah, and consistent? Yes. Yeah. Maybe yes, I, I don't. Do. Maybe it's not compelling because I don't want to compel. Yeah. Hitting other people's tone of voice. Yes. Correctly, and so you have quite a few experiences in both the academic world, also the political world, and then getting into our business. We end up working with so many. Scientists,、mm. and that becomes a really interesting dichotomy. Because sometimes their personality is they are very personable. They like to hang out with you, but when you start writing about their work, they want it's like it needs to be very factually correct because they're used to、yeah. a very academic tone. They're trying to get published, right?、Mm. And so when you're dealing with say making a pitch deck or your marketing language, it is a shift away. From their the sort of academic environments they're used to, and helping them work on that tone of voice becomes like this interesting contrast and contradiction. Absolutely, and so we have to often be very careful about that,、hmm. because for many of them, what they care about is just two things: precise and fault free. Yes, they can't be caught. Making a mistake in the、yeah. writing, no general, especially in medical. I mean, that's that's serious, right? Yeah. And so, only it's only when they expressly tell you, "Hey, I think our writing is too dry, and it's too conservative, and I want some of that snazzy marketing language." I want to try those. Yeah, Then、maybe. you try and be like, have them legal, have your legals、uh, check this. And you can loosen the strings a bit. Actually, you've got to have a bit of fun of that recently with a client who it is a 
medical use product, yeah. but it has sort of a candy twist. Yes. And so you've got to fun. play with that language, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was like two, two layers just because they gave me express permission. And so I wrote a, a more serious B2B, like very professional version with less wordplay. And I wrote another version that was, that was just uh, has a lot of double meaning using metaphors a lot of double entendres. Yeah, making different. fun of the company itself, making making fun of how the industry used to be, and yet double using a lot of double speak, and they actually liked it. So then we went with the, the livelier version. Nice. Before we wrap up, you actually have one little bonus example oh God. of voice, <laughs> where what happens when a company doesn't have one? Yeah, and there's a. Is just out of curiosity, um, we I went to check out Samsung. Also out of curiosity because we've all, I think most of us have gone to Apple, mm. Apple's website, right? Yeah. I think Apple really pioneered that super clean website interface and with a snazzy slogan. Right. I mean, thousand songs in your pocket. They mm. practically like invented that art. Not invented. Some people are getting off in there right now, but but I mean they refined it. Yeah, in they the do. terms of how technology companies speak. Yeah, and Samsung is like the opposite of anything that <laughs> anything that has a personality. Basically, you go to their website, and you, you can't even imagine there are people behind it. I mean, go to their about page, and I don't think there was a single complete sentence in there that you can imagine a person saying. Yeah, and it just has like their CEO's accolades listed out resume style, right? Yeah, it's just exactly. Yeah, even when you go check out their leadership, no complete sentences. It's just resume, and so these aren't. You get the feeling that these aren't actually people. I mean, you know there are people, but you can't get a feel for them as people. They're yeah. just representatives who happened to to sit on the leadership at this moment. So it's really about that machine, that corporate machine. Yeah, and that's where it's like, what do I imagine on the other side of the company? Yeah. I can't. Like, even all no... the f- yeah, even all the pictures. I mean, the the photos matter for the tone as well, right? Yeah, and even the photos are stock photos of just buildings. Yeah, what happens when you go to one extreme and you have no tone and no person? But, you know, they're one of the biggest companies in the world. So who are we to argue? <laughs> no, I think maybe it works for them. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on purpose. Yeah, they can't do the same thing that, let's say, a, uh, a notion would do. So you got to, again, I think it comes back to the question of who do you want your audience to, to think you are? And just convey that. And then tell yourself, for example, like, oh, I want to sound like a robot. A fun robot let's say. Yeah. And would a fun robot, and then you can start filtering your own writing, right? Mm-hmm. Your own language. As if I, if I were this person, would I speak like this? Would I write like this? No, it becomes interesting in terms of Samsung where it's, yeah, maybe you're right. You, they don't want to be seen as a person. They want to be seen as like a pillar of society. Yeah, I don't right. want you to think of me in terms of a person. I want you to think of me as in terms of something that is just an integral part of your life. Yeah. Well, we hope you guys got a little bit more insight onto how to think about your tone of voice. And we'll catch you guys next time.
See ya. Bye.